0: especially inside of like a spirit-based understanding of our insignificance, why be anything other than the narrator of your own story?
1: I'm Autumn
0: Brown queer science fiction writer, a theologian, a mother of dragons, and a healing justice facilitator for social movements living in rural Minnesota.
1: And I'm Adrian Marie Brown, a New York Times bestselling author with a flat tire living in Detroit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is How to Survive the End of the World. <laughs> Do you really have a flat tire?
1: It's true. I, I, I'm so sad because I, I, you know, I share the car and so I got the car. I was like, made sure I had the car for these five days that I'm home so I can like go swim and like be easy. Mm-hmm. And the car has a flat tire.
0: <laughs> so I'm like, um, oh, Turk. Oh, Turk. Um, oh, Turk. Car. Turk is Adrian's car um, oh, baby. named Turk because Turk is turquoise. Yes. Very, very special. And I didn't even Um, pick
1: Turk out. Turk just came to me as a turquoise car already. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Well, we are so excited today. Um, We decided that we would focus on pleasure. Yay, Um, my (laughs) favorite. Adrian's favorite thing, which some people might (laughs) have an idea. Is it not your favorite thing? um like <laughs> you know, i mean it's I'm, I'm into pleasure it's like okay it's, cool. it's definitely <laughs> my top five um yay but what we thought we would do today is um that i would actually interview adrian about pleasure activism ooh. um and like, i feel Mike, it's like it's a new idea to me ooh. i'm so Is what <laughs> <Surprise>. <laughs> is that what we're here to do um, interesting And I'm so excited because I feel like I've gotten to really witness your journey um, into identifying as a pleasure activist and how a lot of that has evolved over time. and this latest iteration of being a best-selling New York Times author on pleasure activism and getting, like, retweeted by Ashley Judd, it's, like, it's a (laughs) new level. It's a new level. I'm so excited.
1: I'm so Um, excited. Did you see that I immediately put my foot in my Ashley Judd mouth? Did you see what I did? You did. You were, like, I'm sorry I
0: confused you for your sister. Whoops. I was, like, Uh, whoops. I just
1: saw the word Judd, and I just was, like, all my childhood memories of going to concerts and seeing the Judds. Like, it was just, like, that was the first concert I went to. And, like, we grew up in a house that I was, like, I think it was equal parts country and soul, you know, like I yeah, feel like there's a lot of country music and people may not know that about us, but I just got so excited and I jumped into it. And then, you know, she liked it before I could like go back and be like, no, <laughs> So <laughs> this was like my bad. But she did in the in that I did get a hello to mom out of it, which was you pretty totally
0: cool. did. You, she yeah, totally so basically said hi, like, mom. <laughs> she said
1: hi, mom. So basically like Ashley Judd and mom are like homies now. So. Yeah.
0: Now everybody knows each other. Um, yeah.
1: There's no such thing as failure.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Never a failure, only a lesson. (laughs) Um, So um, to kick us off, uh, I wanted to talk about um, your history as a pleasure activist. Um, You know, I know you've identified for a long time as a pleasure activist and as a love goddess. Um, And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit uh, about... What was happening in your life when you started using that language, the language of pleasure activism, the language of love goddess? Um, and if you can talk a little bit too about what that has, how that relates to your early years as an organizer in the harm reduction movement, because I think that that, I mean, my memory is that that plays a pretty important role in the evolution yeah. of this language for you.
1: Yeah, I was very lucky to land at the Harm Reduction Coalition in, I think, 2000. 2000- let's see, it must have been 2001, like end of 2000, beginning of 2001 that I was there. And I was there for two years. And I was there, my role was as the um, like training coordinator. So there were all these like super badass trainers who were, coming in to do trainings about safe injection sites and what is harm reduction and how do we reduce harm when it comes to sex work and you know what is ecstasy what you know like really a whole slew of all these trainings and a lot of the and those people still to this day are like giants in that field and mm-hmm. people that I look up to but I, I got to enter in as someone who was like you know I, and I think I mentioned this in the book, but like I had tried to smoke weed through with a dollar bill rolled around it. Right. Like I did not get like proper training on like how to do drugs. How right? to do drugs. Um, how to do drugs. Um, and, you know, growing up in a military environment, it's not like we were, especially because we were officers kids. I felt like there was just this boundary around a lot of what we got exposed to. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, I dated someone who was selling weed, um, you know, Uh, like for the last month before we left Germany. Um, But again, I I didn't get to try it or, you know, I was like, that was like, my dangerous boyfriend or whatever. Right. <laughs> and, right. Um, and then, you know, so I had smoked some weed in college, um, but not really. Right. I, I wasn't really like experimenting out. And I think I tried ecstasy for the very first time my senior year. Um, and, and I say I want to mention that because ecstasy and what I became when I took ecstasy, a lot of that was where that sense of, oh, I'm actually like a a whole pleasure dome unto myself like there was a <laughs> sense of, you know I was the one who would be like flitting around making sure everyone had like a comfortable place to be sitting and like do you have enough water and like oh you know what would be great right now is like Marvin Gaye and like just really thinking mm-hmm. about like pleasure on every different level and I, I loved kind of curating pleasure for myself and inviting other people in when I was in that you know, space where all my serotonin was flooding through my brain. And I was like, well, (laughs) actually, right. And it was like all the insecurity I felt every, all the sort of trauma that kept me from being able to feel into my body would fall away for a couple of hours and Hmm. I would be able to tap into this other self. So that was happening. And then I went to work at harm reduction and I was like, you know, baby weed person had tried ecstasy like once or twice. And all of a sudden I was like plunged into the deep into the pool of folks who were like, on the other side of this, there's a ton of overdosing and addiction and Mm, harm. mm, mm, And there's mm. ways to avoid all of that or to reduce the harm of all of that without having to go all the way to nothing at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I was, I was like, thank God. I actually think that like harm reduction saved my life. And it's a core philosophy that weaves its say through all my, all my work. Cause mm-hmm. I, I believe like, you know, first of all, seeing people who were, who had experienced overdose and survived, seeing people who were deep into 20, 30 years of addiction, mm-hmm. seeing those things and being like, okay, I'm not interested in that path. I'm not interested in the long-term life of of being, overdoing it with drugs. Yeah. I am really interested in figuring out how can I have these good feelings in the best possible way. Right. And then I got super interested in like, wow, so many people are being punished for these good feelings and it's highly racialized. There's a lot of class stuff around it. It's like poor people and black people and other people of color um, and women are being punished for accessing these pleasures that white men Mm -hmm. just call a good night out at, you know, at the bar. Right. 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 Um, with a little, you know, bump in the bathroom and it's all good. Right. And I'm like, okay, look, why are my people ending up in jail for this? Like what's happening? So, you know, very early in my trajectory of life, the, the politics around pleasure and the politics of who gets to access it, all of that was really sharpened for me pretty early on. And then I was given a lot of tools to have an amazing, you know, my twenties in New York were, freaking awesome, right? And I really say I feel like I came of age in New York. I'm really grateful that that's where I was for those experiments and, and for that awakening in myself. Mm. And oh, and one last thing I want to s- shout out Keith Kyler, who's the first person I ever heard combine those two words, pleasure and activism. He really? was the founder. Yeah. So pleasure activism, he, he said it. We were at some... <laughs> thing having drinks in a hotel i think it was like maybe it was a drug policy alliance conference like i've been trying to like you know how my, me and memory are i've been trying to like sift through my little foggy memory to figure out like what was because i remember where, where was we, exactly well you know it's one of those things where like the, there's a viscerality i don't know if that's a word but there was a visceral nature to the memories i'm like i remember that we were on big wide fuzzy open chairs and it was in like a lobby type area and it was at Mm -hmm. a thing like other people that we knew were around us and we were just having this really beautiful intense conversation and he was talking about pleasure activism and the fact that it's like it is our politic to have pleasure right it was a big deal and Mm. he was this kind of person who would like he would get on a dance floor he would enter a space and it was just like (sighs) That you know, the the elevation just rose up. Like we are in another space now. And he was very free, and he founded Housing Works, which was very brilliant, oh, like a very, yeah. very very brilliant project. And so I was just blown away by him. And he ended up passing away a couple a, a while after we met. Like not not long after we met, he passed away. So it's just this thing that stuck with me. Like oh, that's a way to live. That's a way to be. And and I feel like so much of my work has been you know, moving into these places of oh, now I'm official. Now I'm a serious organizer. Now this and now that. How do I still get to own and be in right relationship with that part of my life?
0: Well, yeah, and I'm I'm curious the the next question I have for you I think is um is on that line of thought, you know, because I feel like one of the um one of the transitions That I've witnessed in you and that really comes through clearly in the book is this transformation from seeking pleasure primarily through relating to others into like seeking pleasure from within. Um, and I'm wondering if you could talk some about how your relationship to accessing pleasure has changed over the years. Like what promoted yeah. that transformation? When did you When did you start to make the shift? And slash where do you feel like you are on that trajectory of shift, right? Because of yeah. course, it's not like no, no transformation is ever complete, but right. you're definitely in a place where you're actively um, promoting the gospel of like seeking pleasure from within.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like i don't you know i definitely feel like this is an area where i'm continue i feel like i'm still just learning massive things about how pleasure works in my system which is exciting and it feels like kind of an opening like it's like i went i do feel like i've come something like from caterpillar to butterfly level but then i'm also like i might be a butterfly with 20 wings though like we right. we you know The imaginal I'm not done. cells aren't done <laughs> exactly like something is still unfolding in me and Um, but yeah, I would say, I feel like I've gone rounds and rounds with this and I feel like a lot of it was like confusion. Like there were so many years of confusion of like, I have all this desire in me, but it's really confusing about how to get it met. I would, you know, try to date people, try to be in relationship with people. And I'm just like, what I want is just to have like great sex and enjoy each other's company and like, be honest that sounds good, right? And <laughs> to me, it was just like I don't understand. And like I remember having this conversation with friends who were like, "Yeah, you're the perfect girlfriend." Like I don't understand what's going on. I was like, "Me either," right? Um, and trying to trying to fall in love, and and so you know, there was there was places where I was like, "Oh, I get a lot of pleasure of togetherness here, but we're not sexually compatible." There's other places where it was like, "We're highly sexual compatible, but you're a liar," um, <laughs> <Right>. and. <laughs> And for me, it's like, I'm just like, I feel zero pleasure in uh, in a dynamic where I can't feel like I can trust the other person. Um, and it doesn't, you know, I'm like, I don't mind, uh, kind of the surface level, like a little bit of projecting of the self, that kind of stuff, like a little swag. But I do mind like, Oh, fundamentally, like you're not being honest with yourself. You can't be honest with me. Those kind of things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you, your nature is towards cheating or whatever. So I feel like I had a lot of experiences where I would have an awakening or a big opening. And I remember one particular one, I think I must've been about like maybe 24, 25 years old. And I had like a period of time where I just had all these men lovers, right? Um, And maybe a woman or two in there too. But most, what I remember most is having like a series of these experiences where I would have a hot session with this guy and then like the next day or within three days, it would be like some shit hit a fan, right? So I had one of them where a fiance and a, a mysterious unknown about f- fiance reached out to me like what the bu-? you know like tricked me in a text <laughs> message it was like like I thought I thought it was the, the person I had just slept with so Ooh. I was interacting with them like it was the person I had just slept with and then she was like actually that's you know and I was like what you know like what? I didn't sign up for that like I was like please you and tell that person I'm no longer interested you enjoy your life and your marriage and like right. whatever <laughs> I was I like I don't want did that I not know
0: about you exactly right
1: another <laughs> had like you know it, what I found out was this there was a lot of male lying right and so like the like men who would act like they were available and I was continuously just naive, right? Desire makes me very dumb. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely that person who I'm like, Hmm, like I want you. And I asked you a direct question and you gave me an answer. Let's just go with that. Like, even right. though my, often my gut would be like, no girl, no, like, right. Be a liar. Or, right. or at least maybe give it a day, you know, <laughs> um, or like a method that I feel like I've learned more about is like, when I'm with someone who says that their partner's cool with it, I'm like, Okay, if I call that person, that would be, that would be what they would say, right? And right, sometimes right. being like, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna Let me just call them, or can you text them? Like, let's have this moment right now, um, because I don't think people mean to lie, but I think desire makes a lot of people dumb. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like those moments really burned me. And after those moments, then I would go and I'd be like, I just need to be celibate, which feels like a very Virgo in response to me. Like I'm just like, you know what? I just need to be a nun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's actually God is calling to me. I just need to go pray, meditate, I'm just going to put still. on my chastity belt. Right. Well, yeah, I would Only go take it off to pee and masturbate. Like I never, <laughs> I've never been the kind of person who was like, I'm so celibate. I don't, I don't even, I don't do go to that level. Right. And right, so right. maybe that's something in my future. I can't imagine ever wanting to do that with the limited time I have left on this planet. But, um, mm-hmm. but I do find that, what I kept realizing was I keep putting all my eggs in baskets that don't belong to me, that I'm not responsible for doing the spiritual work to weave and maintain. And I keep getting all my eggs dropped and broken open. And then I'm heartbroken and I'm confused and I'm having a hard time when I didn't actually do anything to deserve all that other than try to seek pleasure. And so that's when I started to turn more towards in towards, um, my inner life my inner workings and like getting to know myself better so reading Audrey Lord's uses of the erotic as power during that time was so important because she talks about when we are externally defined that's when we got caught in the loop of suffering and when we begin to define ourselves from within outward and that's really how she talks about the erotic is it's just like dropping all the way into the inside of a feeling. And then coming back to the surface and beyond from that inner place. Hmm. That was super important. I got it theoretically. I was like, woof, I wanna know how to do that. That sounds like all that. And then I would say somatics is where I actually learned the technology of how you reclaim the skill set, right? Of like, hmm. how do you drop in and feel? Like, it's one thing to say that. And a lot of us get like overwhelmed by feelings, but I think it's very different to be like, I'm choosing like in this moment now, I'm going to choose to drop in, find a sensation below my neck, notice where I'm hurting, notice where I'm not hurting, notice where I feel numb, notice where I feel alive, find my center, expand from center all the way out to the edges of myself. Right. Really locate myself as a feeling sensational body in this real miraculous world.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when I am able to do that, it's not like it's instantly pleasurable or instantly joyful. Sometimes it's, it hurts. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, my back hurts or right. something else right. is going on with my body. But a lot of times what ends up happening for me is, oh, I'm good in this moment. I actually am, I'm, I'm fine. Right. Like there's some stuff that's, you know, heartbreaking back behind me or something maybe that's stressful up ahead. But in this moment right now I can drink some water. Maybe I need to twerk a little bit, whatever it is. (laughs) So I feel like, and it's been, I've been in somatics work, I think a decade now, like 2009 was the first course that I took. Um, And so I've been in some practice of centering since that time. And, um, and I would say that if I was to be like, oh, what's the one thing that really like has transitioned this, it's that centering practice of being able to say like, I know how to drop in and like being able to center when you're, when you're feeling desire for someone like that centering practice is so helpful. Cause I'm like, okay, I like you a lot. And all the blood is flushing everywhere and going where it needs to go to like, prepare me to be your lover or whatever. And I can also center and be like, is this a good idea or with drugs? Right. I'm like, I often will have this moment. Like, you know me. So this is the other thing that people should know is like the first few eh, long, long time of doing weed, uh, smoking weed, I would get so paranoid. And But I was also like, so there would be like, I'm having fun. And then somehow I would always tip over often because I would just try to smoke too much because I'm actually like, I don't need a whole lot. Um, My mind works so quickly that I don't need a whole lot of anything to give me um, experiences of magic. So I'm like or to put me over the edge into non magic, you know? And so (laughs) it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're sitting there like I'm a total fraud. I don't even have feet. Whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just sort of like I don't even know where or I don't, not feet, but roots, right? I'm like, when I think of myself as being a centered, connected to the earth person, and then like I'll get paranoid, I'm like, I can't feel the earth. I can't even feel myself. I don't belong to anything. I don't belong to these people. I don't belong to this moment. Like, whatever it is, I would come undone. And so I would spend a lot of my time when I was supposed to be enjoying something. What I really wanted in that was belonging to the other people. We were all smoking together. And what I was feeling inside was terror and a total lack of belonging, right? And so it's been somatics that also helped me both know, like you don't have to rush to doing anything with anyone, right? You can tune into your gut and see, are these safe people for me to try, you know, doing something with also learning a ton about weed, right? Being like, Oh, sativa is rarely my friend, right? Sativa is sort of an up energy. It makes your mind more active. That's the tendency of a sativa strain of weed. Whereas a hybrid that's mixed with more indica, that's more body high, more body relaxing, that's glorious for someone like me. Because I'm like, what I really want is to just be able to drop in a little bit more to being present, and then also, I can access the feelings of being high now without any substance. Oh, fascinating. I can really drop, because what I'm really always, like what blows my mind the most, and what makes me feel the most high, is extreme presence. Like being extremely present is like, you know, especially with children or in a, with a tree or, you know, with a loved one, right? And being like, we're in this moment right now. Here we are. Like, that is such a high to me. And I didn't used to know that, but it's a high not because I'm reaching for belonging or reaching for something from that other person, but because I'm coming from all the way within myself and being like, this is what I want to do with this present moment of
0: my life. Right, right. Belonging to yourself. Well, and it's interesting, too, thinking about... <clears throat> the role of centering in, in relationship to sexual desire, because I could also, I can imagine that like the more centered and present one can become in a moment of decision, the more one can touch into like, what is the actual presence of threat in this moment and how am I interacting with that? Right. That like, I think for so many of us who come from who have sexual trauma, um, We have such a there is a confused relationship with the the role of threat in inside of the sexual relationship, because if especially if you were traumatized sexually at a young age, then like there's some way that like the presence of threat energy in the sexual relationship isn't necessarily a turn off.
1: But like, but it's still, (laughs) but it's,
0: but it's still a problem if it's there. Right. And so it's like, unless you can be in an encounter with it, that feels like I'm, I'm present to the fact that this is here and I'm, I'm, I'm consenting or not consenting, but you have to be like, you have to be in a level of centeredness in yourself in order to be able to notice, is it there? And also, am I going to consent anyway, regardless of whether that threat energy or some kind of something that's not totally consensual is happening? Um, Yeah. So I could see, I can especially see the utility of, of a centering practice in relationship to like healing our relationship to desire when we come from traumatic experiences. Yeah. Um, and that's
1: one, I mean, I will say, you know, there's any, you know, me when, anytime I do a book project, there's like the book that actually makes it into the pages of the book (laughs) and then there's all the book that didn't make it into those pages and, For this one, there were a few pieces that I commissioned that the people were not able to get in in time to make it into the book. And one of the Mm. pieces was really about um, sex, BDSM, and drugs. And it was really... Mm. I was excited about it as a piece because for me, I'm like, oh... I think that BDSM has so much to teach us in movement. It might actually need to be like a whole own book, a whole own zine just around like what we need to learn about negotiating and boundaries and being able to really clearly say, here's what I want and here's what I'm not interested in. And like, here's the actual power dynamics between us and that's how we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but really understanding that like part of what, BD, part of how I've understood it is like that you're not doing that negotiation while you're under a lot of influences of other substances, right? It's really about, like, this is something I want to negotiate beforehand so that I can go into this experience clear. Maybe substances will be a part of what happens later. Um, but for me, that, that has been, like, a shift in my life because I used to be like, oh, I'm about to possibly have sex. Let me get, you know, out of myself, right? Yeah. Like, because – Someone's going to be looking at my body. I don't do that, (laughs) right? Someone is going to be like possibly putting their head between my legs. And, you know, I just am like, you know, so it was such an interesting thing because I'm like, all I want is to be met and satisfied. But all I know how to do because of trauma is dissociate during this moment right so Mm -hmm. I'm like I want the desire but I don't know how to stay in the actualization of that desire and now I feel like that's one of the big things that I've been learning is like how do I stay present while I'm with another person even if that means okay now I need us to slow down or communicating like oh that hurts right like that's something I didn't used to know how to do like I would be like that hurts and I would just be like that's That's, that's, I'm going to please this person if I just let them do what they need to do here. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, where did that come from? What's the root of that belief system? Where do I need to heal in order to show up and be like, my pain is not a part of your pleasure. Unless, unless that's what we've agreed to, <laughs> right? Unless that's which, what we've agreed to, <laughs> which I <really laughs> won't, because I just don't like pain. It's not my thing, right? You know, right? Um, right. I do. Love right, power like Power play, though, right? And like trying <clears> to draw <throat> the dynamics out of all those different things. Of like, ooh, I love it. Are you powerful? Good. Like, show up, meet me here because I'm also really powerful. Um, uh, but I, I think that all of that to me is like we need much more explicit conversations around, and then. and then particularly like those of us who are in movement space together, we're trying to change the world together and then going and having these very um, incomplete or incoherent negotiations around sex. If anything is even spoken a lot of numbness, super highness, like, not actually being present anywhere. You know, I have people who will come to a meeting and not actually even be in that meeting. Like, they're on four different devices in, like, multiple places and, like, just not present. And I'm like, okay, like, where are places where we practice being present? To me, the bedroom is a great place to practice Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: right. Right, and thinking about the fact that, like, of course, for all of us who come from marginalized communities communities that have experienced depression and trauma there are very like there are very incredible ways that like experiencing pain inside mm-hmm. of inside of sex and inside of pleasure or experience the experience of pain can be a pathway to accessing pleasure
1: mm-hmm. but
0: all of those things right do need to be yeah. like they they need to be spoken into the room in order for it to be um, in order for some of those pathways to actually open, right? It's right. like, um, so that's, Well, because yeah. there's so much about reclaiming power in all of right. it. Exactly. And, you
1: know, I've had a lot of people that I've interacted with in various ways over the years who have talked about or shared with me stories of reenacting some of the things that caused them trauma on purpose in scenarios where they were in charge as part of the healing process, yes. right? yes. And I'm like, You know it's very tied in some ways to how somatics work goes down you know we will sometimes create settings or scenes for folks in which um you are you know okay like in your if you were to travel back in time and protect yourself in that moment where harm happened how would you construct that protection right if you could call in several people in the room here to help you do that who would you call in where would they be between you and the person who caused you harm at your back saying they can't come? Like, you know, what is the alliance that you would need to actually feel safe? And I think about that. Like, how do we create those alliances for ourselves? If you're not in, you know, a semantics classroom, I'm like, you have to, to me, we have to start in our private space, in our private practice, like, am I being an ally to myself or am I numbing myself? Am I being an ally to myself or am I hurting myself? Am I actually satisfied and creating pleasure or am I contorting and
0: denying myself? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I, and I love the connection you're making between allying to yourself as part of how you access that belonging from within, right? That, like... yeah. That we all hold multitudes within us. And that means that we can be our own allies and access a sense of belonging from within that lets us know how, what does it mean to actually be in my agency right now?
1: That's right. Um, And most of us actually know. Like, I think that's the other thing that I'm like, I, I thought I didn't know what could help me feel safe. I thought I didn't know how to feel satisfied and I thought I didn't know like what protection would look like. But under, in you in, um, know, um, when I'm in the right hands or in the right company with people I trust, I know exactly what I need. Like if someone turns and says to me like, how, what could help you feel safer right now? My body, if I let my body answer that question, it knows exactly what I need. Oh, yes. Right? Every yes. single time. And so yes. that has been kind of a miraculous learning is just like, oh, it's not that I don't know. It's that I was trained not to listen. Yeah. And I can I can kind of decolonize that part of me that has been taught to be docile and silent and obedient uh, because I'm black, because I'm a woman, because I'm queer, or, because I'm or fat. Or has right? been
0: taught to just dissociate your way through the experience, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot of how to it be plays say, out, to be right? If I'm dissociated, yes verbally, like I'll be, right.
1: exactly, like I'll be like I'm fully dissociated now, you know, because the part that I was really enjoying – is done too fast. So I was like, I was having a great time making out. (laughs) Right. I was feeling safe at that pace, but now you're barreling ahead and I don't want to like say no to your desire. And this has been such a fascinating thing to me. It's like that we've actually been trained that it's worse to hurt someone's feelings than to actually be present and feel safe and say no. (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) Right. So I'm like, how does that play out in every aspect of our lives? I think it plays out in our work all the time is that we're so afraid of hurting someone's feelings that Mm -hmm. we participate in all kinds of fuck shit,
0: right? We're so afraid of like making someone else feel rejection that we're rejecting ourselves. You know, I think you better about preach. that exactly. I think about that all the time inside of like in t- inside of sexual relationships, inside of work yes. relationships, inside of friendships yeah. that it's like okay, I can't bear the idea that I would be responsible for this person feeling rejected by me. And yeah. so in response to that, I'm just going to reject whatever is coming up in me that's saying yes, no to this or or what, you know, whatever is coming up in me that has a need, I'm just going to be like you don't exist. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, back to drugs. So <laughs> you yeah. enjoy drugs, you're very open about the presence of drugs in your life. Um I love drugs. I'm drugs wondering like, like how do you do you apply a harm reduction approach in terms of how you navigate the presence of drugs in your life? Like how does that how does that lens inform your current practices? Yeah, I I dev I feel like
1: I apply a harm reduction lens in like I said, almost everything I do. Um, but there's a big part of it. There's one of the principles of harm reduction. That's really about that. The user is the one who is setting the goals and setting the culture and setting the agenda around how things are going to go. And there's another piece of it that like every experience of drugs is about the drug, the set and the setting. So, it's the actual substance itself and knowing what you can about that substance. And then the, the set, your mindset, like what is the mindset that you're bringing into that experience? And then literally the physical setting. Are you in a place that's actually safe to do this drug? Is this a, a good time, place, scenario, um, country, right? I recently had the experience of being in a country that I won't name with my vape pen and sort of pulling it out like I normally would, like, and, and someone I was with being like, uh, death penalty here for that, you know, and just be like, cool, great, thank you. Gonna
0: wow, right, right, right. And like,
1: you know, it was it's something I just was like, I haven't. I to me, it's like, oh, it's it's legalizing so fast in so many places that it really wasn't on my radar. That yeah, there's still places that I want to be in the world where that it's not allowed at all and it's considered so forbo- forbidden, right? Mm-hmm. Um forboten. So forbidden. <laughs> like you know, that old German just comes out sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say other things I do around harm reduction. um, I very rarely do drugs with people that I'm doing any kind of work with. Um, Mm -hmm. So like if I'm facilitating a meeting and everyone's like going to go smoke and do something after hours, I don't engage in that way Um, because I I like I, I need the boundaries to be nice and solid. Um, especially because I love pleasure so openly, right? That I'm like, for me, it's really important that the boundaries are super solid and that I'm always indulging with people that I trust and to a degree that I trust, um, so it's like, that's something I pay a lot of attention to and, and so that I don't put other people in weird su- positions. Right. Cause I'm like, I don't want anyone to have to feel like, Oh, now I have to like not tell that Adrian and I smoke this joint together or anything like, I'm just right. like, I don't right. want any of that. Right. 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 Y'all go have your fun. I, I support it. I approve of it. All of that. Um, I've created a lot of different kinds of boundaries around, like, who I sleep with and how. Um, I feel like when I was in my early 20s and going and facilitating, it would be like, there's a romance in every setting or whatever, you know. Right, right. Um, I I fall in love wherever I go. Exactly. And you're meeting a lot of people. And because, like, my experience was never like, oh, I'm powerful, right? Like, that was not part of what I was ever trained to think about myself necessarily. So like it was kind of the surprise that it was happening in a room that I was like, oh, like in the, and often it would happen in a day, right? Like I would walk in and no one was like operating towards me as a desirable person. But then once people would actually see me in my power then by the end of the day, one of the participants, someone would be hitting on me, right? And it was so like welcome to me that I would like flirt back or whatever, right? Um, and sometimes I would cross that line. And so I feel like that's been a big learning is like, I don't need to do that. There's so many fish in the sea as it were. Um, and that power dynamic is less and less attractive to me as I get older, right? Like I really am like, oh, you are drawn to power. You should go find some in yourself, develop it, right? right? <laughs> Um, (laughs) you know, it's like less interesting to me. Um, so I really, I really set new standards for like what attract, what is even attractive to me and how I understand who and how I'm attractive to others. Cause some people are just attracted to reputation. Some people are attracted to, um, what they think of as like landing something. Right. Um, and when, as a black Mm. woman moves into power, you know, it's like, yeah, people want to land you they want to like be able to claim some aspect of you. And so I feel more like part of my harm reduction is being more like I deal with people who feel like peers to me and who can really handle being in relationship with me. Um, and I deal with people who can operate with a lot of discretion, right? Cause I'm like, this is my private life and it's really important to me that I get to have one. Mm-hmm. So if I think you're the kind of person who would ever, 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 go out and need to talk about it that you know to anyone especially online I'm like that's not attractive to me right we're right. not doing this right. so I feel like I do I harm reduction comes in in those ways and then you know I there's a lot less things that I even experiment with I'm very protective over like my mind right yeah. so there's like there's a I feel like there was a period of my life where I wasn't super protective of my mind and I was like oh I'll try it I'll try it yeah I'll try it right now I'm just sort of like oh like I I feel a lot of care for what I've been able to cultivate, for the freedom I've been able to cultivate, for the space that I have to now think. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that means, like, I'm not big into drinking anymore. Like, I'll still go, like, have a drink, but I love the delicious early hours of the morning and the kind of thoughts that come to me then. And I miss those hours if I go out and have, you know, several wild drinks. wild night! Exactly, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I save those, right? I'm like, those are more rare um, I'm trying to think of other harm reduction things. In a meta way, I feel like writing the pleasure activism book has been a, a sort of meta harm reduction because hmm. it feels, yeah, I know. I'm like, I can, maybe I can make the connection. Um, You've got like, this, Adrian. I believe I know, you. I know. Like, I can do it. I can
0: do this.
1: <laughs> I can do it. Because um, it feels like carving out a space for me to be my whole self, right? Hmm. So that I no longer have to be a compartmentalized self where it's like, Over here, you know, in a top secret realm, I have pleasure. And then over here in the public eye, I am like a professional black lady, right? And, um, you know, for me, it feels like being able to say all of that is me and all of that is what if you're experiencing power or if you're experiencing fluidity or if you're experiencing any of the things that I'm up to, part of why I'm good at what I'm good at is because I did mushrooms a few times enough to understand how everything's interconnected and it right. informs right. what I do in a room. And it's actually, I don't wanna leave that in the secret closet door. I want that to be part of who you are dealing with. I wanna decriminalize and decolonize the way we think about drugs, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing as a sexual being. And I've been talking about this a lot, but I think we do a lot of harm to each other when we try to desexualize movement space and professional space. I don't think it's actually possible to do so. And so I think Mm. what we end up doing is creating these really harmful non-boundaries. Like they seem like boundaries, but they're actually like cages designed to keep us from being whole, And then we're supposed to like come into these workspaces and be in these cages around each other as if we're not all human beings. And what ends up happening because it doesn't work, then everyone ends up having these secret messy relationships that then blow up organizations. And you end up with like 20 organizations doing the same thing because people didn't just acknowledge and learn how to name and discuss and be transparent and be boundaried and be principled about
0: real, right?
1: Right. Being, it's just saying like, you know what, rather than, um, denying that we are attracted to each other. Let's learn how to actually say I'm attracted to you. Are you attracted to me? No, I'm not great. What's the boundary that we could hold that would make sure you and I both are able to be in this space. Yeah. And feel, you know, and feel safe. Do I have consent to do X, Y, Z, hug you, kiss you, be in the space? Um, No. Right. Being able to say no. um, You know, one of the things I say in the book is like being able to say no actually makes the way for your Yes. And I feel like what we've been doing instead is being like all of society is like supposed to be this big no that keeps us from these behaviors. And it just doesn't work. Or it's supposed it to be this work. big
0: yes. Or it's supposed right. to be this big absence of no and yes. Because I think about like yeah. that that dynamic you're describing about these cages around ourselves that so much of what I see in organizations and institutional life is, is that – it's just an absence of any direct yes. discussion of of anything. what the dynamics are of anything right and yes. so and then and then oftentimes once the once the dynamics have risen to the level of either there being a conflict or a need to have any kind of accountability process around it people's yeah. narratives are so fragmented at that point that it's exactly. really hard for people to even put together a full picture of what's happened. Um, And that fragmentation can only happen inside of a situation where no one has been required to actually deal directly or transparently with one another, you know? Exactly. I mean, Mm -hmm.
1: I think this is the heart of so much of my work really is like Mm -hmm. once you awaken feeling, once you awaken the fact that you're a nature body that feels, you're going to have access to a whole wide range of feelings. Damn, you just said a nature body that feels. Yes. Right? Mm, like, like, to that. me, that's what I like. I'm like, that's what you are. That's what I am. We. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm of an earth that has volcanoes, honey. You don't want to, like, <laughs> try to, right? Like, I'm just like, that's what I'm of. That's how, like, land forms here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, this is my place. And I'm, I'm a species that actually moves at with a ton of desire and even though all kinds of religions have tried to tell me that that desire is only about making the next generation of the species my pleasure tells me a different story right like my pleasure says ain't no baby gotta come here we, we, you and me just gonna be fine all right right here mm-hmm. right sure here right right now, we now. Know. so that feels really important to me to be like oh if I, and also the uh, the thing that's been cool is like, once I awaken that part of me that, you know, that part of me that's like, oh, I feel pleasure. I also feel a ton of other things. And it's helpful to be able to learn to communicate about pleasure and to be able to communicate around a ton of other things. And I had this moment yesterday, I was going through the airport and I went off on someone who was like really unnecessarily rude to me. Um, and hey. it was so invigorating and nourishing <laughs> to be in an appropriate <laughs> anger, right? Like I'm yeah. not, I'm going I've been an appeaser in such a major way. Most of my life that I'm like, you're being mean to me. I'll back hmm. off, you know? Well, I'll, I'll just be quiet and I'll go sit on the plane and fume and just let you get away with this behavior because, Oh, I don't want to be rude to you. I don't want to be yelling in public. I don't want to seem like a crazy black woman. I don't want to whatever. And it's just like, I uh, know I am actually a crazy black woman first of all second first of, of all, all first of all okay you don't have this much therapy without being crazy I'm a crazy black person and <laughs> I have every reason to be right like there's literally nothing almost nothing y'all have done since my people got to this land that would would lead to any other result than me being a completely crazy person who mm-hmm. you should be cautious around because you know uh anyway well I, I mean i don't have to go all the way down but you know like, what i'm saying i'm just like all the way to i, the I don't remember who said it but it's sort of like every day that like that like black people are not taking an up armed revolution all over this country is like you know what i'm saying it's another day that white people are just getting lucky because i'm like based on what has happened to us we would be in our rights to do that based on our some other beautiful aspect of us that's like we're down to try other things um You know, something else happens. And so in this moment, though, it touched into that part of me that's like, I got like Lucille Clifton and June Jordan and Harriet Tubman and Ella Baker and like all these people at my back. And I just walked up here in gratitude, in a good mood from a good life. And somehow I made it from one terminal to another with barely any time left because y'all have a badly designed airport and you didn't give any guidance that someone would actually need 45 extra minutes to get over here. But yet, Because I'm a black witch and I know how to work miracles and I know how to ask the universe to work in my behalf. I somehow made it here and I walk up to this counter and the guy was so nasty to me and I was like, I don't know where this nastiness is coming from. Maybe you've had like four mean experiences, but I yelled at him (laughs) and I yelled at him, you need to be fucking kind, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which feels very appropriate, you know? And sometimes you got to yell at people about kindness and fucking kindness, but it felt also like- Was he
0: able to course correct-
1: um, no, no, he, I mean, he, he tried to double down. He tried to double down. The only course correction that happened was when he later came on the flight with like the list of passenger thing that they do the final check or whatever. And mm-hmm. he noticed that I was sitting in front in, you know, first class because I, I got my upgrade with my drink like living my best life in total peace. Right. Like to me, that's the only thing that I think maybe he, he would have to go and like meditate and contemplate on. It's like, right. I tried to ruin that black woman's day, but I didn't <laughs> succeed. And like, what can I learn from this experience? Right. And I got embarrassed in front of my coworkers and other people because this black woman just went off on me. But right. for me, it was like very, you know, I felt satisfying. like I, I texted Alicia Garza because I was like, I
0: feel like I just channeled you and I feel really powerful because I was just like. I know. I love Alicia's like, um, yes. uh, like messages from the airport in terms exactly, of like right? just the shit that she goes through every time she
1: exactly Because I'm just sort of like, oh, I go through those things, too. But I don't I don't invite the confrontation or I don't step into the confrontation moment. Right. Oftentimes I'm just like, oh, this is annoying. And then I keep going with my life. And in this moment, I was just like, not today right not um, today not today because aria stark and alicia garza and all these people were like in my present moment mm-hmm. but it also was like that also comes from years of good orgasms that also comes from years <laughs> of like standing i in love a the feeling. way you just connected that <laughs> exactly to me it's all connected right so i'm just like i am a fully alive being in touch with all my feelings and this is what to me You know, this is what I say with pleasure activism, like what we're trying to do is harness what we can learn from the things that feel good to us that we can then apply to these places that currently don't feel good to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, what I have learned in sex is that if I'm not there, it's not good. Right. Like someone else might be enjoying it, but like we're not having a good experience if I'm not actually present. Right. I'm like, you might have a whole set of memories from that. I wasn't there. I don't know. Right. Um, oh, i didn't feel so anything real. and so for me being able to stop and slow down and be like let me drop all the way down and be like i can you know it's like especially stuff that's not the the sort of key points right so i talked to the i talk about this more and more it's like if it's not straight up like nipple nipple clitoris you know like then it's like can i still feel that i'm like can i feel if you're like touching my arm and that feels nice or like that you're rubbing my back and that feels nice or you're like massaging my feet like can I feel that I have a whole body that all my skin is wired for pleasure all these nerves are running through me like being able to access all that and I'm like anger that gets stuck in my body has been part of what blocks me from feeling
0: oh it's so real yeah thinking about like past sexual experiences and like what is it that you actually tune into Yes. From that experience as like the lived memory. It's like, is it the orgasm was so powerful or is it like the way that person bit my back was just like exactly right? And like that specificity means something. Right. If you can remember something something that wasn't just the end of the experience.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Because again, this is like where we try to like say decapitalism or decapitalize this experience It's like it's not about the outcome. It's not about the product. It's not about the wet spot. It's about the entire experience that we've just had together. And like, for me, you know, I'm a smart woman. And so I'm like, I need a conversation. I need banter. I need to be like titillated. If my mind is not tit, and I think, I think most humans are like this, but what I have experienced mostly is that I hear this from other women who are like, I read books, you know, like I need you to use words with <laughs> me. Use like, your words. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm like the, the, I'm like strong, silent nothingness is not really going to do much for me. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and I think this idea of like, I will meet your power with my power, which felt like that's kind of what was happening in that moment as I was like, this man is trying to um, treat me like I don't have power. And mm-hmm. so all I'm going to do is show him I do. And then we can go yeah. on about our lives, right? Let yeah. um, me just correct like that. that, and then and we're we're just like keep let going. you know what the <laughs> hell is happening. And you know, it's also like been an interesting moment to be in because I'm like I very rarely feel the need to do anything like that. Because right. I'm in my power, right? I'm just like my power is like inviolate, like you can't touch it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But in some moments, I'm just like, no, I'm. I literally am out of breath trying to get here. Um, well, and and some you know? there are also and I have times arthritis. This place was not. You know, the other thing was like my disability. Airports are so self-came up, right? Because I was just like, I'm like running through this airport with arthritis, right? right? Trying to get to your badly placed, you know, three terminals away gate. That is not where it's supposed to be. So it's 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 like you know what I'm saying. I was like, I'm my Virgo nature, my disability nature, like all the things are coming up, and I was just like,
0: and you know, when all of my design, powers combined.
1: Well, and you know, when when I sit, you know, I'm like, he doesn't design the airport. He didn't design all that. But I'm like, it wasn't your job to design this airport. I'm not mad at you about that. It wasn't your job to make you know do anything else but actually be nice to me. That's literally your job. Right. You are a customer right. service agent standing here. Right. And your job is to be nice and make sure that everyone who has a ticket on the plane gets on the plane.
0: Right. And it's like if you're right? perfectly capable of being <laughs> nice to a belligerent white man, which you probably did earlier today, then you're capable of being nice. He was literally doing that.
1: Right. Yeah. Like I had walked up and he was being very, very kind and polite to a very belligerent Orthodox Jewish man. Right. And then ignored me and then. And then caught an mm. attitude with me. Yeah, right? no, no. Nope, but mm-mm. I want to say, I mean, like, and I and I don't know why it feels so important to me. It feels like a breakthrough moment for me. And I get excited when I have these moments where I'm like, that was not possible for me five years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Right. Yes, And yes. it's because I moved out of letting people abuse me. It's because I moved out of letting people use me for their pleasure. It's because I have moved out of being a sidekick in anyone else's story. I am. The narrator, the leader, the guide of my own story, and in a very insignificant way because we're all insignificant on this particular planet. Like, there's just so many of us moving so many things for such a short period of time that there's just a, a nature of insignificance to what we do. But inside that insignificance, we're also miraculous. And I'm excited because I'm like, I recognize my role in that balance. And You know, I stood in front of an audience in Toronto and I was like, my orgasms are liberating all of you. Like, you know, when a butterfly flaps its wings, right? That creates Mm -hmm. a hurricane. I'm like, when a black woman has an orgasm, that can take down an entire patriarchal system. Yes. And I mean, what is Toronto (laughs) Burke doing if not reclaiming that space for women, right? Yeah. That's saying like, this body of mine is not a trauma center. It's a pleasure center. It's a place that can heal from what you've done. And like, she's taking everyone down that needs to be taken down while also still asserting our need for healing like it's all connected
0: I and I love that too because it's like especially inside of like a spirit-based understanding of our insignificance why be anything other than the narrator of your own story it's like literally if you could decide
1: (laughs) you know like Um, if you have the option why be you know why I guess my thing is also this piece like Every orgasm is different. Like every snowflake is different. Every body is different. Every pleasure is different. Like what you experience, what you Netflix and chill might be different from what I experience. Like I just feel like there's so much diversity of wonders that can happen and we get get taught to not pursue them Unless it serves capitalism. I think about this all the time, right? That I'm like, we get taught that pleasure is something you have to buy and that you can never be satisfied. Because if you were satisfied, you would stop buying stuff. And that you can never be beautiful enough. Because if you felt beautiful and sexy, you wouldn't stop. You wouldn't be buying You wouldn't things. keep buying stuff, right? right. And I feel like I see so many people, I'm like, you think there's something wrong with you. That's mm-hmm. the only thing wrong with you right like, that's literally the only thing if you recognize like oh i'm an incredible person living on a planet that is a hot mess but i have agency i can find community and it's got I volcanoes can find pleasure and it's got volcanoes and i've got a volcano in me
0: <laughs> yes so. literally um literally. so last <laughs> question lava. okay li- last yeah. question uh you've been on book tour you've been holding yes. events all over the country and internationally cuz Toronto is included in that. Um, yeah. and I was in, in in London, yeah. And you were in London, that's right, you were in London and um and I and I'm witnessing that you are encountering so much magic as you like navigate all these various people that are showing up to your events that are just like feeling so lit from yeah. from the work. Um and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit as we close out about what you've learned about pleasure since the book came out from interacting with all these folks oh, who yes. have their own pleasure stories to share with you.
1: I mean I think that the main things. I love this question, Autumn. By the way, just hey. excellence. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think what I do. <laughs> it's what I, it's literally what I do. Um, well, and because you're no know, game recognized game, right? So yeah, 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 um, yeah, But yeah, I would say that the main things. Um, one is there's a huge part of pleasure that is about permission, mm. and. What I have what I have done here by pulling together this text in some way is giving people more permission to access what is already theirs. And so a lot of people who are coming through the line to get their book signed or want a selfie or any of that, the ones who are the most like emotionally unhinged, right? And it's like always so sweet because they come up and they're already kind of shaking like a leaf. There's some tears in their eyes. There's a lot happening. And I'm like, I know this has nothing to do with me for real, for real. Like this is they have touched into something that's sacred in them that yeah. they didn't know that they had permission to touch. Yes. And I'm saying not only do you have permission to touch it, but it's kind of your responsibility as a, as a freedom fighter to touch and liberate that part of yourself. That is your spark. That is your divine energy. That is your pleasure body, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's actually your, you have to be no matter what else you're doing and you don't stop any other stuff. It's like in addition, right? In addition to all that work, you make sure that you are lighting up that part of you and reclaiming it from oppression and repression and depression, okay? Yes. Um, So the permission piece has been big. You get those pressions. (laughs) I just want to say the pressions got to go. I'm trying to think if there's any good pressions now now that we've gone down that road
0: uh do, 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 do. okay let's leave that so, for our listeners yeah, to tell one. us <laughs> i want to know
1: if you know of any good pressure tweet at us there. if you know of a good pression. <laughs> yes um <laughs> my heart is open but i just cannot imagine anything so um so permission has been one big thing and then i think the 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 um it's so interesting like how many people their orientation towards me is very much like now I know everything about all sex things ever. And it's, I'm like, that, no, you, don't, that you that you know, me everything. personally, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. me personally, <laughs> I'm like, no, like there's a lot of stuff that's not in this book because I don't, know those things yet i want to know right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so i'll say that i got the experience of going to a kink party a little play party and having like a kink moment and um i won't say much about it you know it was pretty mild in the grand scheme of kink things but something that was really exciting for me was i was like i have wanted to do that since i went to california like when i went to ruckus I had a sense at that point, I was like, someone had mentioned one to me and I was like, I would love to do that. But I was an executive director, a new executive director, and it just felt like that is not a thing that I'm allowed to do. That's not a thing Um, that we get to
0: do when we're in charge of things. I'm
1: like a woman, you know, I'm like, I need to basically never be seen as a sexy person because I need to be a boss and because all the water is so murky and I can't let anyone um, undercut my power. Um, by thinking about my pleasure, so it, it was. It's been like you know this long, long time that I'm like, I would love to do that, but I can't because of this, because of that, because of this. And there was something really powerful about landing in that space. And then afterwards, one of the people who was like helping run the space came up, and she was like, "It was so amazing to see how humble you are, because you you really didn't know what that could do, <laughs> right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I <laughs> I'm like, like I, I don't was know a newbie s- exactly. I was like, you know." I I feel like I still have a beginner's mind about sex and I think that's why I enjoy it and I think that's why I am a love goddess because Mm -hmm. rather than approaching each experience like I'm the most experienced person in this room, I mostly approach it like, wow, you know, like let's see what could happen here. I don't know. Like what, you know, how could we use this or how could we use it? You know, I feel like there's a lot of curiosity that is guiding my experience and that's been a hilarious experience of interacting with people who are like, yeah, you want to come to my dungeon or whatever? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I (laughs) I was like, maybe. I mean, I don't know. You know, let's try. I don't know. So, you know, that piece has been really amusing. And I feel like I've learned a lot about what curiosity can do to even a playing ground that seems otherwise tilted, you know, a certain way. Um, And then I, I think the last piece of it is... I've learned with a lot of tenderness um, that there's so many people who are like I, I can't have orgasms or I have to be sober. Um, that's the only option for me like there's I can't I can't you know have a little bit of any of these things like it, it's not safe or I'm asexual and where do I fit and you know just really feeling the tenderness for folks um, who again, have been made to feel like there's something wrong with them rather than understanding that like we are in a system where wrong is the, the main way that we get controlled. The concept of wrong is mm. a control mechanism. Mm. And so trying to have these tender conversations with people where, you know, I'm like maybe that's true about your body and your system and your mind. And maybe, right. The mm-hmm. main thing is, do you know how to feel yourself and listen to yourself? Because these labels, I don't think, help us, right? Like, people get labeled. And I think now we're in such a labeling culture, um, and people are often, you you know, I feel like I meet so many people now who are like, hi, I am A, and then they'll give me, like, 20 labels for what they've figured themselves out to be. And, you know, mostly I'm just like, okay, just make sure you leave some room for yourself to be changing. How much are we taking on labels that keep us from understanding what can be pleasurable in our lives? If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, maybe you can't have an orgasm, or maybe you just haven't had one yet. Um, And maybe there's some deep healing work that you're going to have to do before that becomes possible. Maybe you won't have a vaginal orgasm or a clitoral orgasm, but there's other things that are possible for you, right? Like, I met someone the other day who was like, what? A nipple orgasm is a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, oh yeah, honey, that's a, that's a thing. You should definitely know about that thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And also like telling people like to me, I'm like, I have orgasmic experiences all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that it doesn't matter what sexuality, gender, anything else you are. I think that level of like, oh, this is so right. This is right in an explosively awesome, exciting way. I think that kind of stuff is available to, to so many people. So I just think being in the tenderness of those those spaces where, you know, for me, writing the book was not a way to pull push anyone out of, of accessing anything, right? It's really like, to me, an invitation to be like, learn more and more and more and more about who you are learn more and more about the community you need around you in order to actually be safe and experience pleasure. And the way that I define pleasure in the book is just happiness, joy, satisfaction, contentment. Right. I'm like, I think those things should be available to all human beings. I think that the body is the doorway to those things. I think it's how we really, really in a visceral way, feel those things. Mm. The mind is a part of the body, but the mind should not be doing all the work of trying to figure it out. It's like there's a way that we have to drop in and feel. And um, there's a reason why I the think, mind's you know, not in charge of that. I will say there's a lot of people who are like, I'm really challenged by feeling. I, you know, I don't think that feeling is a great thing. And to me, that's so much of that is like, I think healing from trauma is absolutely necessary because I think feeling should be something everyone can da- do.
0: Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. What a beautiful note to close on. I mean, that is such deep wisdom that you just arrived us at. Um, Thank you for um, this work. And oh, thanks, um, sister. it was beautiful. Thanks for being a part of it. Well, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha. Um, oh, you're not the but, first person to make that joke, but it's still great that you. Oh, do. but maybe I'm the first person to make it during an interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, um, I just want to <laughs> say it was really. It's been really delightful to watch the reception of this book. Um, Mm. and especially knowing that, and we can cut this if you don't feel comfortable with this being in the interview, but I know that you had some real trepidation before this book came out, um, because you were kind of you just had no idea of whether this would be received well um and it's a, in some ways such a different project than emergent strategy and i think that mm-hmm. before the book came out you were maybe feeling into that difference more and oh, yeah. watching the actual <laughs> reality of how people have received the work um and watching you like step fully into your glory in it has been just like mm-hmm. an honor of my life to get to witness so Thank you, Um,
1: sister. Yeah. I really appreciate that because I
0: totally was. You know I'm
1: your biggest fan. (laughs) You know. (laughs) I really, I do. And I really deeply appreciate because I definitely felt like rounds and rounds of like, girl, this is such a weird, wild thing to decide that you need to focus on in this moment. Like there's so many crises happening and it's just like, yes and actually this is the way to drop down and get under all of them like exactly and I think that's the thing we have to do right now is go it's, underground this book is medicine for and everybody like right mycelium now mycelium our way to the future mm-hmm. um, and I want to thank you for contributing I feel like you and so many people were so brave like not quite sure what you were contributing to and still being brave and sharing something that was like so vulnerable and intimate and powerful about raising sexually liberated children and feeling into what does it mean what are the pleasures of parenting and like mm-hmm. it's just awesome that you did
0: that so well, well, thank, thank you. you for inviting it. And it's so funny to see the piece in the book now and to remember the conditions under which I like shot it off and yeah. to be like, oh, I totally wrote that piece in like a span of maybe about five minutes because yes. I was in the midst of parenting. And exactly. so it was like a very perfect <laughs> situation to be like, oh, yeah, I can write something really quickly about the pleasures of parenting. It's basically going to be scenes because that's all I got time to write. Boom. Yes. <laughs> And, yes, but it's such and then, a it's such but then a to see it piece. and to be like, oh my mm-hmm. god, yes, that's exactly it's exactly a perfect snapshot of what the fuck yeah. it is, and exactly. and I love to know I love remembering the conditions, like the fact I was probably nursing somebody or something right <laughs> when no, yeah. I wasn't nursing, I wasn't nursing anymore, but it was like post nursing, but it was like post nursing, had
1: been in the bed you know, in that morning and it had been like cuddling with Marade, and then mm-hmm. running around. And it was just like, I love the scenes you captured. Cause it feels like this is what's so delightful about being around children. Yeah. And that it is such a pleasure to love children and be loved by children and where everyone is actually safe yeah. and everyone is being taken care of and their needs attended to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, all the things are good. And yeah, I've been blown away by the reception too. And it keeps getting kind of bigger and bigger. And You know, some of my more sarcastic friends are like, bitch, it's called a pleasure thing. But, you know, I'm like, I know. But still, you know, it's it's exciting to see that people are so hungry to be able to feel themselves. Yes. And I'm glad to be a part of it.
0: Yes. Thank you for the work and for being who you are. I love you, and I know that all of our listeners love you, too, and love this I book. love
1: you, too, sister. All right, let's, the idea
0: of interviewing me this way. Oh, my it's God, so my pleasure. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. Let's you can't help credits. yourself. You're I corny. can't help myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show.
1: If you would like to make a donation to sustain our work, you can do so at patreon.com slash the world show.
0: Another helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're an iPhone person, thanks for doing that.
1: This show was produced by the gorgeous and pleasure body, Zach Rosen.
0: Music for today's show comes from Tunde Alani Ran and Mother Cyborg. Also
1: pleasure bodies.
0: Also pleasure bodies. Pleasure bodies oh, everywhere.
1: wait. Before we stop recording. Uh-huh. Did you Did you stop yet? No, I didn't. Okay. I think we should start doing a little thing like Marvel Comics does, where we leave just a little thing right
0: after the credits for those people who make it through the credits. Okay. What do you think that thing should be right now? Just knowing that it's happening?
1: No, I think that we should. Okay, right now I because I really you have should, to pee. Okay, great. I think you should make what is the sound of the pleasure of peeing.
0: Uh, <laughs> that I do that almost every time I pee. <laughs> Me too. I was like, you really landed that shit.
1: Damn. All right, great. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> for our I listeners, I love you. I love you. All right, bye, bye, bye.